Hello and welcome back to Amplify Your Business to Amplify Your Life, where we dig deep to unearth the golden nuggets of business wisdom, fueling not just your entrepreneurial success, but the life of passion and fulfillment. I am your host, Odette De Beer, international business strategist, speaker and advocate for excellence in every area of your life. Today, we are going to continue our conversation on micromanagement. Oh, and by the way, I have a guest before I forget, I have the privilege of having my very good friend, Chris, Chris Petrius, the mastermind behind uh, Crisp Corp and the expert on all things leadership. Welcome back, Christo. Thank you very much, Adet. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to today. Part two, let's hit Part it. Two. So in our first um, podcast, we talked a little bit about what is micromanagement, how do you identify micromanagement and a little bit about what sits behind it. And today we are going to talk about what types of micromanagement exists. We've mentioned in the previous podcast that not all micromanagement is necessarily bad. And we will also talk a little bit about what to do if you are being micromanaged, as well as if you're a leader who wants to make the shift between a micromanager and a visionary leader. So first up, I want to just have a quick look at the types of micromanagers there are. So there is the overbearing micromanager. This type of manager is the one who like hovers over you, you know, checking your work, demanding frequent updates. Um, the problem with that kind of micromanagement is that you might feel stifled or mistrusted. So we talked a lot about trust in the previous episode. The next one is the nitpicker who focuses excessively on small minor details. They often criticize every little thing, nothing is good enough. And the problem is when we do that, we are breaking down the confidence of our team. And then of course, this is where I used to play, the control freak. I have taught myself over time and I have spent the time investing in myself to not be the control freak. But the control freak is the type of person who is unable to delegate anything. They cannot relinquish control and they have to do everything themselves, make every single decision. The problem with that is that it limits the ability of your team to grow and to develop your skills. And one of the important things about growing your business is that you're able to grow a team. You can't grow a team if you insist on doing everything. The fourth type of micromanager is the insecure micromanager. They often are motivated by a lack of confidence in their teams or sometimes even in themselves. And this type of person is overly involved to alleviate personal insecurity. So it's more about them and not about you. The problem is that it creates a toxic environment where your team feels under constant judgment and evaluation. And that's probably the worst thing to be as, as, a, as a team. Then there's the well-intentioned micromanager. They do exist. Some people micromanage by accident, not on purpose. And it stems from a genuine desire to want to help and secure success to that person. But it's often executed quite poorly. And despite the good intentions, it still leads to frustration, reduced autonomy, and stifled growth. The next type of micromanager is the crisis orientated manager who reacts to perceived crises, note I said perceived not real, by swooping in and taking over often without fully understanding the situation. It's that person who cuts you off and dives in and takes the stuff and you're like, whoa, what just happened? So that's obviously not a good thing. 
And then there's the one that I particularly dislike, and that is the technology-enabled micromanager. You know that one who sits on your teams going, you were supposed to be on teams for eight hours and three minutes. You were on teams for seven hours and 55 minutes. Where were you the rest of the time? I mean, honestly, guys, it's not Big Brother. <laughs> That's not okay. So, Christoph, now, now that we've listed and just unpacked a little bit about the kind of micromanagers, could you help us understand how, how do we address this micromanagement situation, both from a, a leadership perspective as well as from a, from a person being micromanaged perspective? Thank you. Thank you, Ed. I'm just, I'm just laughing because I'm, I'm, seeing, <laughs> I'm seeing people, I'm seeing myself, I'm seeing situations, you know, that is happening. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, um, you know, inter interesting. As you were talking, you know, the, the first one you spoke about overbearing, you know, they like they con con consistently looking over your shoulder and, you know, checking up on you. And I was just thinking about this. I don't know. You know, we're watching from around the world, you in Australia, I'm in South Africa. I remember a couple of years ago, there was this whole thing about 5G that was coming and they started putting up all these cameras, you know, you know, on the street corners. And the people in South Africa, they freaked out because now, you know, we're going to be on the 24 hour surveillance, you know, they're going to check everything that we do. And, and people freaked out because they don't want to be you know, micromanage. They don't want to be um, checked up on the whole time. Mm. Yet that same people are putting their entire life on social media. <laughs> and I'm thinking, <laughs> Isn't it ironic? By I choice. Because you're already sharing everything. So, <laughs> so what's the difference? The difference is, is, is not that it's the content or it's the, um, the, the checking up or the looking over over your shoulder for the task it's 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 simply the perception of i'm allowing you into my life where you are peeking into it and so i yeah. think if we can maybe just look at that from like let's just have perspective we mm. need to check tasks absolutely it's important mm. but if we're going to do it if we're going to if the outflow of that is going to be perceived as you checking up on me then people are going to have a negative connotation. It's going to be a negative culture, and you're going to see, you know, that that work will will diminish. Where from a leadership perspective, is you still want the information, but it's it's how you attain that. It's how you put structures and systems in place for management to take place and for feedback to um, to be able to come from your from your employees. So I think the difference for me really is Odette from micromanagement and leadership. You know, how do we we manage this? It's perspective. Um, it's absolutely. Just zoom out a bit, you know, just zoom out. Because, yeah, we spoke about it last week, you know, micromanagement or microbiology. It's like the study of those small things and you have to have a telescope or, a, you know, the device that they use to, to look closely. And the only thing that you see is that little thing that you're working on. Mm. But you're not seeing the bigger picture. Yes. So when you focus and when managers focus excessively on specific tasks and detail, they often overlook the bigger picture. And in the bigger picture, what this person did wrong per se is maybe not as big a deal than, than us zooming out and seeing it from a different perspective and then helping and guiding them along the way. Absolutely. I also think, so <laughs> it comes up in every conversation, crystal clear always, we have to communicate and 
perspective is changed or altered with information. And once you have the information, you can change your perspective. So from a leader's perspective, if you want to change the perspective that your team has or the perception that your team has that you are micromanaging them because you are asking for information, then it is probably a little bit uh, about creating clear and open communication. It's about saying why you need this information or when you need the information. We've spoken at length about the need for you to be clear on your expectations. So you have to say, I need this thing by this date and these are the updates I would require, not necessarily because I'm micromanaging you, but because I need to perhaps provide an update to my leader or this information will help us make a decision in the business. Do we sell? Don't we sell? Do we pivot? Don't we pivot? And when we start sharing this information, we create an opportunity for our perspectives and perceptions to change. Mm -hmm. The problem is as leaders, especially in small organizations, we like to be important. And how are we important? We guarantee we are important when we know all the information and you don't. We want to be in the know. So we want to be important, but actually you've got to ask yourself, do you want to be important or do you want to be successful? Definitely. I know that you believe in the principle and the, you know, coaching as a, as a form of, of creating, developing your, your own skills and abilities. And so do I. There's this, this, this amazing story where, where coaching is just like really um, exemplified. And it's, it's, it, it, it plays back many, many years ago where this gentleman had tennis players. And they were all, you know, top-tier tennis players. And so what he did is he took half of the team and they were told what to do. They were coaching them in the, the normal sense of coaching, telling them this is how you hit the ball forehand. And they went through a six-week program. The second group, they didn't tell them anything what to do. The only thing they did is they asked them questions. After every point, after every set, they asked them, how did that feel? What did you experience? They were simply asking questions. And the, the people that worked for six weeks with the, the mindset of simply asking questions showed like a 25% improvement above the other team that was told and directed by expert trainers and coaches. And mm -hmm. so what's, what's so powerful with, within that principle, you know, you speak about clarity and you speak about, you know, feedback. It's also what, I, what I've seen is to allow people or to, to, to demonstrate competence and reliability within your team. Yes. If you're going to tell people the whole time what to do, they know what to do. Mm. And yes, maybe you should, you should tell them. But if you allow them and you show this behavior of competence, that they are competent in doing that, and you allow it to naturally come to the forefront, they're mm. going to come to the realization what you wanted to tell them anyhow. But the fact that they realized that they came up with it, it it's going to it's going to blow them out of the water from a confidence point of view and from even, you know, an, an outcome perspective. Mm. So I like what you say about clarity and about, you know, the communication. But I want to just bring this in that I believe having competence and reliability in people's ability and their confidence is, is really important for us as leaders as well. Absolutely. So Steve Jobs says it so well. He says, you don't hire smarter people than you to tell them what to do. It's Absolutely. insane. Yeah. If the founder of Apple 
which is now a multi-billion dollar company globally, understands it. As small to medium-sized organizations, entrepreneurs, and as leaders, we must listen. There is definitely something in that. Um, one, of the, one of the things we want to do as part of this podcast is to help leaders develop with real practical solutions. So, Krista, I'd like, if you don't mind sharing with us, how is it that a leader can take can start creating the shift from micromanager to leadership? Because sometimes it's really hard. I mean, we hear it. We, we hear we shouldn't micromanage. But what are the practical things that we can do as leaders to start making that shift? And I also want to stress, it's not wrong to want to control everything in life. Um, I listened to... I think it might actually have been Patrick Lencioni. If you listen to Patrick Lencioni or you get the book, The Advantage, you, your life is going to change. He is definitely one of the authors that I support big time. And in the book, The Advantage, he talks about um, a leadership organization that he worked in where the guy in the management of the finances was always like very nitpicky and he was always like, yes, but no, I need to understand everything. And everyone always used to think he's just a stick in the mud. Why is he, when you go and ask him for money, he's just, no, like, no, you need to give me more information. I don't. And they used to think he's a chop. And one day they brought Patrick Lancioni in and they asked him to consult to bring the leadership team together because they wanted to change the culture in the organization. And they started talking around why do people do what they do? And as an introduction, they had to share who they are, where they came from, and what was their passion and how did they end up there? And part of what this financial manager shared was that he grew up in a house where there was not enough money and that they had to make um, ends meet and they had to make strategic decisions on how the little they had had to be spent. And quite often, it's not about the person being a chop. It's about the environment that they grew up in that shaped and transformed the way that they operate. So this financial manager took that frugality into his, into his career and he made decisions based on the notion that there is not enough and the fear that if we don't manage what we have properly, that we will be in trouble, which is really good from a finance perspective, guys. Let me just point out that's the kind of financial manager you want because he is prudent in his job. But everyone else used to think that he was a chop. He was a, st a stick in the mud. Actually, when we take the time to understand why people do stuff, then we quite often realize that actually there's some, there's some good behind that and we have to help them make the shift. So the purpose of this conversation today is to help you make the shift. And I want to highlight that you're not bad if you're a micromanager. And I can say that because I am a reformed control freak. We can learn to let go some of the control. We can learn to change our behavior. So Christo, on that note, would you like to share with us what are some of the things leaders can do to shift from being control freaks or micromanagers or any one of those micromanaging types we've listed to becoming a leader over time? Yeah, most definitely. I think it's exactly what you said and what you did. You need to recognize the negative impact of micromanaging. You have to recognize that it affects your team. It affects the outcomes. It affects everybody around you. So first of all, the first step that I would encourage people is you need to recognize that it 
that it has negative um, impacts. And, and then you're going to probably ask me, okay, but how do you recognize something? You know, how do you, you don't know what you don't know. How do you recognize it? Well, it's probably going to be the second step or the second thing that I believe is important is to encourage to have open and clear communication. You know, we'll, we won't come to a solution until we've allowed for a discussion. Yes. And so if you allow open and encourage open, you know, communication within your teams, you know, and you collaborate with one another and employees feel that they are empowered, then you are hopefully going to come to the, the realization, you're going to recognize that, hey, you know, there's a negative impact that we have, you know, within our team. So I would say, first of all, you know, is to recognize that there is a negative impact, you know, have open communication, allow people to talk. And I think it's, I, I want to say this is create a, a time, create a, a session where people can share their heart without being condemned, without being, you know, um, talked down, allow people to talk. So you create this time, maybe it's a Wednesday at one o'clock and everybody knows in that session, I can just like share my heart. And nobody's gonna, you know, gonna gonna look and think differently from me. Because you want to hear what's happening within the organization. You want to hear what is the talk on the ground. You know, it I believe it's yeah. important um, to do that. And then, you know, we've said it many times, but it's like you said last week, off um, off stage, you said something like saying it once is like like not saying it at all. So we gotta repeat some things. And so I want to repeat this is number three, you gotta develop trust. You need to trust mm. the people that you are leading, not just trust them, but trust their abilities and trust the task that you have delegated to them that they can have the, the responsibility and the authority to do that. And then maybe fourthly, I don't know, maybe we, we spoke about this, maybe we haven't, but we need to focus on setting clear goals. You know, running, if you don't know what the goal is, running fast is not going to get you there. So mm. I believe these four things is, is vital in... Um, in moving or transitioning from micromanaging into the aspect of leadership, you know, where we allow people to grow, we allow people to develop, and we allow people to live up to the potential that's within them. And lastly, as we allow people to do the things that you've employed them to do, you know, like the Ooh, brilliant, brilliant. You know, why would you if why would you employ somebody to do something and then you tell them, you know, how to do it? You, you could have. Just done it yourself, you know. Saved yourself the money. Absolutely. I want to. I want to add to your your proposal that leaders need to create an environment where people can talk. So one of the things I used to do in my corporate environment, and even still do in my coaching environment, is at the start of every conversation. So now you'll you'll decide what works for you, right? But this is what I did. I would start my meetings, any meeting, every meeting with a red, amber, green or purple. Red is how am I feeling today? I'm red. It can be I'm red because the traffic was terrible. I am flabbergasted. My kids drove me insane. I remember going to work one morning. It was a really important day. I had a photo shoot at work and my daughter at the time vomited all over me. So I went to work and I looked like the housewife who had never had any makeup or never done her hair. It was, it was a really fun day. So if you had asked me that day, where are you? I would have been red. Amber as well, you know, something's not right, but I'm, I'm here, I'm okay, I can focus. And green, I'm obviously, obviously having a good day. And purple, because I like purple, it's a fantastic or spectacular day. Give people an opportunity to state what color they are and 
find something that works for you. Maybe it's a word, whatever, but give them an opportunity to just acknowledge where they are in that point in time. If they choose to share, um, communicate upfront because what you don't want is people to then go off on a tangent that derails the entire meeting. You can ask them to share respectfully within 30 seconds because we still have to get things going. What that does is it tells, it communicates to people that you care about where they are, you care about what mind space they're in, and when they say the thing, I am frustrated, or you know what, guys, I'm tired today, my child didn't sleep and is sick, that acknowledgement releases their brain. So it, again, I'm a consciousness coach. For those of you who don't know, in consciousness coaching, we talk about consciousness inventory, and there's all kinds of stuff that, that takes up space in your brain. If you are preoccupied with the fact that your child is sick and you've got to sit in a meeting, that preoccupied thing about your child being sick takes away from your creativity and your problem-solving ability in that conversation. By saying, I am concerned because my child is sick or I am tired because my child is sick, immediately your brain goes, okay, I've now said it. Oh, there's more space. Here's some more space. Here's like 500 gigs back in your terabyte, trillion, whatever size brain we've got. So create that space and make it a regular thing. And then don't look at people funny. <laughs> <laughs> when they say things, tell your face not to react. We respond. That takes a little bit of practice, especially for somebody yeah. like me. But you've yeah. got to create that space um, in, in, in your conversations with your people. And you will see that just that step changes your meeting completely. It changes the way that people interact because they are no longer preoccupied. And it communicates that you care, right? And then obviously my suggestion is that you actually do care, you know, like just <laughs> the heart, you have to care. I know, I know there's the temptation to just then shut down and no, this is the part we, we as leader have to actively listen and acknowledge. Thank you for sharing that you're frustrated. Gee, is your child okay? Right. So don't just then swoop over it because that's not effective. One of the things we also spoke about in the previous um, podcast was feedback, giving feedback to your team proactively. And it's something that is, once you've created a system to provide feedback to people, it no longer becomes an issue. If you've never given feedback and you call someone in to give them feedback, the first thing they will think is, oh dear, I'm in trouble. And everyone in your office is going to be, oh, you've been sent to the principal's office. That's not the environment we want to create. We want to create a system where we say we have regular conversations, leader to employee, on your performance, on what's happening, give them an opportunity to say what's going on in their lives, to say what's going on in their workspace. You create a system for that. So whether that be your monthly check-ins or a weekly check-in, I used to have weekly check-ins and then monthly performance reviews. Where are we this month? What did we do? Daily huddles are really good for these kind of things. You want to check in with the people and give feedback openly and honestly. We spoke actually about that in one of our previous, previous, previous podcasts. So I suggest you go and listen to those if you haven't. Um, and then also celebrating success, professional development. And you mentioned it at the end of our previous podcast, adjusting and evaluating Guys, sometimes giving people a, a red, amber, green, purple color code doesn't work. Maybe your team is more word kind of person, 
They need a word. I need to say that I'm frustrated. That's fine. Or maybe you just grunt or I don't know. But do what works for your team. It comes back to what Christo said. Know the players in your team. Because if you know the players in your team, you can respond to them in a way that takes everybody on the journey and that we succeed together. Because guess what? If they don't succeed, you're not going to succeed. End of story. Christo, what was your takeaway from this conversation? Yeah, I probably want to want to go to that first point of, you know, you're going to recognize the, the negative impact. You know, it's not it's not that micromanagement is all bad. You know, it's not that, you know, it doesn't have place within organization. It's to just realize that, you know, the effects that it have is not ideal. Mm. Maybe, maybe you want to have an organization that, you know, is very strong in, in that, that area of, of, you know, looking over people's shoulders. If that's the environment you want to create, you know, that that's the environment you want to create. But I do believe that we need to come to the place where we realize in order to be effective, we need to look at these things. You know, we need to look at our lives. It's important to have that outside perspective in, in helping us, you know, become better. You know, I said it to somebody um, in this week, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that should be our, our heart, that should be our mindset is to be better. And to mm. be better, there are certain things that we need to adjust. There's certain things that we need to evaluate. There's certain things that we need to, to change. You shouldn't change. You should just look at certain aspects within your life that needs to change or that needs to come in alignment to become, you know, we, we, we throw this word out, the best version of yourself. Mm. Uh, but I believe there's so much value in it because I want to be the best that I can be. You know, we constantly have updates, you know, whatever mobile device you use, you know, they will constantly have updates. You know, there's a new version, a better version. It's important because with the previous one, there were some bugs that, you know, crept in somewhere down the line. And it's not <laughs> saying that you are bad. It's not saying that, you know, your, your style is bad. It's simply, you know, just adjust. So recognizing the negative impact, I believe, is, is crucial if you want to move, and I, I want to say this again, if you want to move from micromanaging to really leading your people, it is critical that you recognize the negative impact that that behavior currently has within your organization. Absolutely. That's 100% true. So on that bombshell, recognition, self-awareness is one of the keys to transitioning from micromanagement to a leadership perspective i would say and it's a journey filled with opportunities of growth for you and your team connection for you and your team and vibrancy so the more that we can recognize our behaviors the more we can um, adjust our behaviors and embrace a philosophy that enriches both personal environments and professional environments so if you've enjoyed this show we want to invite you potentially there might be a part three of this so I need to sneaky, sneaky, have a conversation with Christo about this because we're not done. Can you imagine? But I do want to give you some space to just internalize what we've discussed. If you've liked it, remember to like and subscribe to the show and share it. Feel free to share it with everybody who needs to listen, guys. We want to create an environment. Ubuntu. I'm South African. Christo, you're South African. Ubuntu means I am because we are. And if we are all better, can you imagine what an amazing society we'll have and what awesome businesses we'll have? So on that note, thank you so much for listening. If you're on YouTube, thank you for watching. We'll see you next time.